Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. And today, we will be discussing Sundial by Catriona Ward. Is it Katrina? Well, I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) Because they say Katrina in the audiobook. I feel like she probably had some input, so... But I've seen interviews with her where the interviewer definitely says Catriona, and she doesn't say, actually, it's Katrina. Hmm. So, I don't know. But I feel like it's be, it would be a weird spelling for Katrina, but I guess not the weirdest. Not the weirdest. We have a friend named Carolyn who it's definitely 100% spelled Caroline. Definitely. So, you know, sometimes it's just, well, I, in this case, I've got no idea. But I do understand just people getting your name wrong so often that you just, whatever. Yeah, you just give it up. Yeah. I'm sure with a name like Jennifer, you uh, probably haven't experienced this. <laughs> No, <laughs> not, <laughs> literally not at all. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'd say Catriona. I say Catriona. I'm sorry, Katrina, if it's wrong. I like your name both ways. It's a lovely yeah. name. It was, it was shocking in the audiobook when they said Katrina Ward. I thought, wait a second. How many times have I talked about her on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a fool. <laughs> Humiliated. Okay, well, let me know about her, whoever she all is. Right. Well, this is her fourth book. She also wrote The Last House on Needless Street, which was released in 2021, and we've talked about quite a few times. Her other books include The Girl from Raw Blood, which was published in 2015, and Little Eve, which is actually being re-released now that she has become so popular, both of which she won the August Derleth Award for Best Horror Novel at the British Fantasy Awards, and this made her the first woman to win the prize twice. Little Eve also won the Shirley Jackson Award for Best Novel. She was born in the United States, but her family lived in various places all over the world, particularly Africa and the Middle East while she was growing up. Uh, But they also spent a lot of time in the UK. And The Last House on Neela Street has actually been optioned for film. But as of yet, I have not heard any updates about it. Hmm. Maybe a weird one. Yeah. I wonder, uh, that other one that we read and then watched the movie for... You know, I'm going to um, kill myself. Uh, Not me, the book. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending things, yes. Hopefully it goes better than that. I really sincerely hope so. Because they've got similar vibes of like, what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. We'll see. Although with that one, they did a lot of things right, but because they went in such a weird direction with it... Mm-hmm. That's where things went wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, 
Whew. They really switched up the story at the end there. <laughs> I may never get over the ending of that movie. It's the the pig. I mean, the pig was just too far. The, and the dancing is too much. <laughs> the entire musical number? Yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a twist. If you were awake that long to get there, whew, that was too bad. I mean, I, yeah, I wish I wasn't, but... No, it took me like three tries, but I got there. <laughs> but this is not about that great novel turned into a terrible movie. Yes. <laughs> this is about Sundial. All right. Want to tell us what it was about? You know I do. All Rob wanted was a normal life. She almost got it, too. A husband, two kids, a nice house in the suburbs. But Rob fears for her oldest daughter, Callie, who collects tiny bones and whispers to imaginary friends. Rob sees a darkness in Callie, one that reminds her too much of the family she left behind. She decides to take Callie back to her childhood home, to Sundial, deep in the Mojave Desert. And there, she will have to make a terrible choice. Callie is worried about her mother. Rob has begun to look at her strangely, and speaks of past secrets. And Callie fears that only one of them will leave Sundial alive. The mother and daughter embark on a dark desert journey to the past in the hopes of redeeming their future. All right, Shanna. What did you think? Jenna, I didn't like it very much. <laughs> I knew you were <laughs> going to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, um, God, I, I guess I don't want to talk too much about it. It needed less dogs for sure. <laughs> Significantly less dogs. I mean, it had the same cat, uh, Katrina. God, now I feel really guilty no matter which way I say her I name. I know. <laughs> uh, it had the cadence of like her last book. It was strange, and I liked that about it. The tone was really good, but I didn't love the story. I didn't love the ending. I mean, it was fine. I'd give it three stars. I think maybe this was just a case of this one not being the story for me, but I still really like her writing, and like there was a lot of really good stuff about it, just like the story didn't grip me. Mm-hmm. How about you? <laughs> well, I really liked it. I... Now I've read it twice, so that kind of changes, I think, my opinion a little bit. The first read, I really, really liked it. Well, here's the thing. At (laughs) first, I didn't. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know if I can do, if I'm in the mood for this at all. But then as as the story went on, I was like, okay, no, this is good. It's getting good. And by the end, I really liked it. And then on my second read... I just, there's a lot of things that didn't add up for me, which I didn't notice at first. So it's kind of one of those things where I don't want to take stars off because I reread it and like inspected every line mm-hmm. and found the holes because they're not like gaping holes to me. It felt really holy to me the first time that I read through it, yeah. but I might've been being hypercritical just because mm-hmm. I wasn't in love with it. Yeah. Where, yeah, I... I liked that it was kind of had a darker tone than Needless Street, but it was still like you weren't really sure what was happening. And definitely we've got huge, unreliable narrator situations in both books, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I think I'd give it four stars. I would have gone slightly, slightly higher on the first read, but kind of have come down a little bit since since that high. Yes, for me, I almost feel like it stalled out a little bit where we were just stuck with the dogs for so long that the story, it felt like it was never going to move ever again for me. Oh. <laughs> I didn't mind the dogs at all. No, I just, I like the pacing maybe better in Needless Street 
maybe because we switched the characters so often. Yeah. Um, it just felt like even if we weren't leaving the house or doing anything that we were swapping our point of view. Mm -hmm. Whereas it kind of felt like we were in the same spot saying the same thing a lot for a long time Yeah, with this one for me. I didn't have a problem with this, but for anyone out there, one of the main criticisms that I've seen is trigger warnings for animal cruelty. Mm. So if that is something that bothers you, maybe you don't want to pick up this book. I, I mean, maybe I'm a monster, but I thought that they were treated quite well for experiments. <laughs> I mean, you... <laughs> <laughs> they were slightly cared for. <laughs> That's true. But there were so many more animals that also got it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't think that the animal cruelty in the book was overly graphic or anything. Nothing, you know, it was kind of talked about, but we didn't really see. Oh, we saw that. We had some pretty bad ones. I don't know. Did we? We did. Yeah. Later on. Uh, mm. I don't want to say anything spoilery, but. I don't know. Trust me. <laughs> I was personally fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. I know a lot of people that might not be, but. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, some of our friends, especially over at Other Book Club there, would have not a great time. Yeah. <laughs> we will find out. Yeah. I read um, animal cruelty the way they read dying children. It's just... Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. So that's what I thought. Yeah, I definitely... I think I liked Needless Street better overall. I like the cover of Sundial better. Yes. Me too. I would still read the next thing that she puts out, though. Yeah. Definitely. Although I did try reading The Girl from Raw Blood and I DNF'd it because it was really boring. <laughs> too many dogs. <laughs> oh, too many old men. <laughs> um, but I'm curious about this Little Eve book. Mm -hmm. You know, won the Shirley Jackson Award. That's cool. That and it's cool. being re-released. So obviously it's got to be good enough for that. Nice. Yeah. So. I should probably check it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess from here on out, guys, we are going to get into the plot and uh, discuss it. So from here on, there will be spoilers. You have been warned. All right. The book starts out with a woman named Rob finding out that her youngest daughter, Annie, has chickenpox. And she knows immediately that her husband, Irving, is having an affair with their next door neighbor, Hannah, who also happens to be Rob's best friend. Hannah's son just had chickenpox, and no one in either family had seen each other since, or so she thought. We learn right off the bat that Rob and Irving's marriage is terrible. They absolutely hate each other. They fight all the time. He cheats all the time. He's horribly abusive to her in so many ways. She used to threaten to leave, but no, she never can. She can't leave the kids, and she knows he'll never let her take their oldest daughter, Callie. Yeah, I think right off the bat, this is probably actually what immediately turned me off. Oh, yeah, it probably, yeah. It. I just... Mm, man, I I can't abide. <laughs> <laughs> Bad marriages. Yeah. Cheating. Ugh. I would just leave. Yeah. I take both kids. Why do you have to take them both? Yeah. You grew up in crazy town. Yeah. Like, get rid of Irving. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, it took me, I think it took me a little while to get into the first time because I mentioned before while I was reading it, like, because one of my daughter's names is Callie. So having this little girl described the way that Callie is described by Rob was difficult to read. It felt too close. And there was one scene that I almost was like, 
oh, I cannot do this, was when Rob comes into the kitchen and sees Callie like on the counter putting her arm into the garbage disposal and mm-hmm. is going about to flip the switch on. I was like, God, get me out of this book. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just made me think that for anyone who liked The Push by Ashley Audrain, this might be also a book for you. I just, I listened to the first 30 minutes of that book. And I was like, what am I doing? I know I'm going to hate this. Turn it <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> yeah, no. I recommend it's. I recommend it as a book, but not for you. Not for me. Um, we also learned right away that Rob's relationship with Callie is not great. She always had a hard time connecting with Callie and feels she is more Irving's daughter than her own, which yeah. I suppose is factual. <laughs> is factual. Yeah, she's very interested in like dark things like serial killers and... I don't know. They just like, they butt heads so hard and they just kind of like feed off of each other. And this is kind of one of the things too on my reread of the book that kind of fell through for me because I mean, we find out so much later on, but reading Rob's thoughts about and opinions about Callie and what's happening. And then reading Callie's side of the story, because we switch point of views between them. Um, I expected on the reread that Callie's side would be a little bit more innocent than it was, because we find out later that she's, you know, not doing all these things, mm-hmm. or yeah, not for the same reasons that Rob thinks she is, or whatever, right? But always, throughout the whole story, Callie, <laughs> from her point of view, is also really weird. Yeah, right? I think I did not like that too at the end. It felt inauthentic mm-hmm. based on this character that I just spent all this time getting to know. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, I guess I'll talk about it at the end. Yeah. But I, I felt like this we is... didn't get to know the character that we should have gotten to know a little something yeah. about, right? Yeah. So the whole book is like back and forth in time and back and forth through point of view. So as always in this kind of scenario, we're going to be all over the place. Yes. Yeah. But, you know. Oh, okay. Sorry, you're about to talk about Arrowwood? Yeah. But yeah. did it did it make more sense no. the second time through? No? No. Yeah, so Rob is writing a, a book called the Arrowwood School Series because her and her sister read some similar series when they were kids and really connected with it. So she's kind of writing her own version, but it's kind of like a way for her to like work through her trauma, I guess. She writes all of the characters' names as people in her family, which is really similar to Verity. (laughs) (laughs) Except for the Verity scenario made a little bit more sense than this, because I started writing out kind of what the stories are about, because we kind of get little chapters like interspersed throughout the book, but nothing makes sense. Like, nothing connected for me. Yeah, Nothing... It didn't, you know, un- like it didn't show me anything for the in the story. I don't know. Right? I thought that maybe the characters in the book and their behaviors would like mirror the characters that she named them after. Yeah. But maybe they, they were so, I don't know, spread out that by the time I got back to them, I was like, what? What? Yeah. I just kept waiting for it to click, for it to matter to me. Yeah. And maybe and it, it matters, but it did not matter to me. I, I couldn't find any relevance at all Hmm. other than kind of adding like kind of a mystery or like some kind of weird tone to the book because you are always kind of wondering does this matter 
is this relevant? And I know Callie read these stories. She mentions them at one point where she's like, oh, I know that weird stuff that mom's writing, which would mess up a kid. (laughs) Yes. But then also, if she's cured or not the bad one, why is she like this? Well, this is later on. We'll get to my epiphany that I started (laughs) writing to you. Uh And another question that I have, these these are the holes that are kind of, you know, showed themselves to me as I was reading it the second time. I remember when we got to that and I was like, then what? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I hate an unreliable narrator that was just straight up lying to me. Yeah. Right. And this kind of felt like that a little bit at times, especially I'll tell you when we get there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just jumping ahead. We haven't talked about this. I know. It's just when I realized something in the book, it was very shocking, but then I couldn't find any more evidence to back it up. So I was hoping that you had like seen it too. Oh. And that I just didn't know anything, but now I see that you didn't see it too. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. So that, those Arrowwood stories, who cares? (laughs) Okay. So we're just skipping Arrowwood. Yeah. Um, maybe we're wrong though. If you see the relevance of the Arrowwood stories, send us an email at best underscore book club at outlook.com and uh, we will talk about it on our next, what we're reading and other stuff because because I I want, I want there to be relevance and I want there to be something that I'm missing because if there was relevance and I was missing something, this would be good. Yes. And I think just because it wasn't something that I super enjoyed, I might also just have been like, and not thought as hard about it as I might have. Yeah, so please explain it to us. Rob and Irving realize that Annie has taken all of Irving's diabetes medication, and Rob forces her to throw them all up. When she asks who gave her the pills, Annie says that she gave them to herself, but Rob doesn't believe her. She has oven mitts taped to her hands and couldn't have opened the bottle alone. So, (laughs) the hell. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, kids are crafty. They are crafty. You know, they always want to eat that diabetes medication. Yep. I know we find out about this later, but at the time I was like, ah. I know. At the time, it was, it's alarming. Yes. You know, if one of your, your kids is trying to kill your other kid, that's a problem. I know. It seems like actually a bigger problem than they made it out to be. Yeah. Like, Irving's like, oh, whatever. Like, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. What did you do? Like, oh. But also, she hid his medication. Yeah, she's... Who does that? <laughs> I know. And then told him that she hid it. It's just like... They're, yeah, they were horrible. I hated them together. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rob believes that it was Callie who gave Annie the pills, so she goes through her entire room to find evidence, and she finds a cap to the pill bottle in a backpack hidden under the floorboards, along with a container holding the body of a rotting squirrel. Yes. Terrible. All over Kelly's walls are drawings of animal skeletons. The drawings are amazing, but Rob realizes that on the back of each of them are glued the actual bones of the animals, glued on and mirroring the drawn picture on the front. Kelly insists that the animals were dead when she found them, but Rob doesn't believe her. And when she sees that Kelly is working on a drawing of the bones of a child's hand, she slaps her across the face. Rob decides that she needs to take Kelly away. She needs to do something to protect Annie. She is going to take... Callie to Sundial, which is her childhood home in the Mojave Desert. I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> How would you feel if you found bones and squirrel bodies and under the floorboards? How in your old house? was Callie? I can't remember. I, I feel like she's eight-ish. Yeah, or like I thought like 10, eleven, maybe. Yeah, but 
that makes more sense than Annie, who is like, what, six or something? Like, yeah. Isn't she like really young? She, yeah, she must be. I mean, even if she was eight, that's still quite young. And isn't she all like feeble? Or is she yeah, faking well, it with all that diabetes well, medication she's always yeah. taking? <laughs> she plays it up a bit. And I know, and Callie mentions a few times that Rob just thinks that she's innocent and like sweet and stuff, but she's not. So I think a lot of it is because we're getting a lot of it from Rob's point of view. So we're just seeing Annie the way Rob sees her, and we're seeing Callie the way that Callie, the way that Rob sees Callie most of the time. Mm. But if you listen to what Callie says, she says more often that Annie is not what she seems, but she feels like she has to protect her because you always protect your sister. I guess I don't know. But then also Callie threatened to cut off Annie's tongue with an exacto knife at one point. And then this was gonna be Cal this was gonna be Annie's hand? I can't remember. I, was she, was, was she gonna kill her? No. So what was she doing? What was the hand, right? That wasn't was nothing. Right? Cause like now that we're reading it now that I've finished it and we're going back, consider this my reread. Yeah. These are all Now the you have questions. That, yeah. Like I feel like I had questions the first round about, but like <sighs> Okay. Anyways. It makes me want to reread Needless Street. And to see if there's any questions. <laughs> right? I feel like that one, when I got to the end, though, I was like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Then we switch to Callie's point of view. They are on the way to Sundial, and she has a few friends that are tagging along. Dumpster Puppy and Pale Callie. <laughs> She's the only one who can see them, and she can talk to them telepathically. So, Rob has no idea. Dumpster Puppy is with them because Callie brought its bones in her backpack. She doesn't have Pale Callie's bones, though. She doesn't know where she came from, but she's always been with her. Callie and Pale Callie play a game where Callie tries to guess if people they see are pale or warm. Pale means dead. Okay. So, Callie is insane. Then, is this... Why can she see them? Because um, she's magic. She, she can see dead people. It's just a... She can see pale things, she says. It's just a perk of her? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she can see pale things. Okay. And she likes to keep them company. Because, like, there's no way she would know about Pale Callie. No. So that makes me think that these ghosts must be real. I was yeah. wondering if there was a reason that we get that I just don't remember. No. just She just says that she's always been able to see pale things. Okay. So it's just some ability that she has. Okay. Although the only reason for Pale Callie in the story is to confuse us as the reader and, like, freak us out because she doesn't actually really have that much to do like she doesn't yeah. move the story along at all once it, we get to the horrifying miscarriage then it's like oh there's pale callie i, I gotcha yeah yeah and then but other than that her being with warm callie is it's just a gimmick i guess so. man if my insano sister kicked me and killed my baby i i god i'd be out of there oh, so what's hard. going on Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. Rob obviously has some. I guess, yeah, okay. Ugh. Rob we'll has a lot of issues. <laughs> She's got a lot of issues, and um, they were, she got them fairly. Yes. I guess as a person who was not locked in a cage as a child, I, you should not really judge. No. <laughs> I guess Pale Callie kind of acts as like, like the devil on Callie's shoulder a little bit. Because that's what she needed, was a devil. <laughs> yeah, she needs a little devil on her shoulder. But yeah, otherwise, I probably could have done without Pale Callie. Yeah. And Dumpster Puppy, but... I, I didn't mind Dumpster Puppy. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. 
I just, I love her naming style. <laughs> so Rob definitely acts in a way that makes us think that she's going to send send Al to kill Callie. She talks of needing Callie to trust her, about giving her what she wants before she does what she has to do. So he's like giving her her last meal and like just talking really weird and being all weird. And the plan was always the plan, right? I guess so. Because the, yeah. I, there had to have been an easier way. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of build up for yeah. the plan. For a big old psych. <laughs> <laughs> Callie wonders why Rob is being so indulgent towards her. And Pale Callie tells her it's because she plans on killing her. But there's just so many Callies. But Warm <laughs> Callie thinks it's just one of those times where Rob tries to connect with her. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Um, sometimes I'll take Cambria out for a walk. We'll get coffees. Her and I, connecting. Yeah. Me and Ben, be like, hey, bud, you want to go get some ice cream? It's like, heck yes. I've never once taken them out to the desert and tried to, you know, trick them into thinking I'm going to murder them. Stick them with a syringe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me tell you a terrible story. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, they get to Sundial, and it's surrounded by a huge metal fence and keep-out signs, which make it look like a government facility. There are a lot of outbuildings and a pavilion. Laboratories closed with huge chains and padlocks. There is a human sundial for which it is named. The main house is a two-story circle. The sundial. Did that matter more than I remember? It's just what it was named for. Yeah. Okay. Falcon made it. Oh, Falcon. That's right. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just what the place was named. Okay. Didn't really matter. Yeah, it was kind of a spooky, weird setting. It was a spooky weird setting. I thought we were going to go a little bit more culty. Oh, yeah. That probably would have been good. Oh, I would have loved it if it was culty. Instead, it was government experimenty, which I actually kind of liked that too. That's true. The fact, though, that they had so many students and tests, but also was somehow completely under wraps, doesn't yeah. really track to me. Well, this was inspired by real live things. Really? Yeah. So. It's really weird. There was this project in the 50s, 60s, 70s done by the CIA where they did illegal experiments on like psych patients and prisoners of war or like prisoners in prisons to develop torture techniques and yeah, like create uh... human weapons for the war. It's called MK Ultra. I know all about MK Ultra. Yeah, sorry. This is okay. what it was. This is. <laughs> Part of that <laughs> whole thing, which I've just fallen into one of my rabbit holes of reading about it and stuff, and I'm like, what the heck? But part of it was they created remote control dogs with the intention of creating remote controlled humans, but it, the dogs worked for a while, but, you know, the whole thing fell apart eventually. But <laughs> Yes. Um, last podcast on the left is like a five-part series on MKUltra. Yeah, I started listening to it today because I was like, yeah. I, need, <laughs> I need more information uh, on this. Yeah, those boys make me laugh. Yeah, it's so, good. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys uh, want more information on it, I would definitely recommend checking out that podcast. Or just Googling it. There's a lot of information. Yeah, it's been fun because they've been mentioning MKUltra like, just passively for years. And yeah. then they finally did a series on it. I'm like, yes. I'm like, yes. why does this sound so familiar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... It is inspired by that. Ugh. And yeah, when I think back, yeah, the Sundial is like this weird secret government facility where they do testing and <laughs> they have, you know, scientists coming and helping and 
and they're saying Falcon like worked for the government or something. But he's also super all the way hippie. Like yeah. that doesn't. What is he? What know. are you, Falcon? Your name is Falcon, so that should tell yeah. you something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I kind of got the impression that he like escaped, like didn't want to do that kind of work anymore. But I'm like, but you're still doing it, just yeah. like secretly, or like he took the research that they were doing with the government and then just started applying it outside the government. <laughs> right? I don't know. And they, I was going to say like, they're going to do this like with these little kids around and like, do they have no morals? But then I remember what the actual projects were and no, yeah. no, nobody in that lab cared. No, no morals. And I don't think that anyone in the real MK Ultra had morals either. No, I think they were <laughs> like, se- seriously lacking. Oh my God. This is the kind of stuff that makes me believe all these conspiracy theories because this is real. This is true. This is not conspiracy theory and is messed up. Not going to lie, the simulation came up in two separate occasions for me today. God, of course (laughs) it did. Yeah, it's very strange. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I'm kind of in a a place right now where I'm like, the government's trying to kill me. (laughs) Everything's a lie. I have a microchip in me for my vaccination. (laughs) (laughs) And my Wi-Fi is great. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, anyways... Got a little ahead of ourselves. Yes, sorry. That's okay. I that's always okay. do. I'm sorry, guys. We should mention that nearby is a place called the Puppy Farm. And according to stories, a man called Bert killed his wife, Lena, and then died himself of an overdose. It's very famous town lore around that area. Rob heads out onto the property of Sundial alone and brings with her a bag of old cheap raw meat. And she throws it along the property line as she walks, kind of like an offering. Which, lucky she did. Lucky she did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's been years since she's been here, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, well, it's, yeah, it's been a few years, I guess, because they would go on vacation there with the neighbors. Oh, yeah, that's not- right. Hannah really wanted to go back. Yeah. Like, that's not somewhere I would take my friends. And what a garbage best friend. Oh, I know, right? First of all, if she's her best friend, she didn't notice that her husband sucks. Yeah, right. So she thought he was good enough to jump into bed with him. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I think we we know, we tell stories about our husbands. Exactly. (laughs) We have good husbands and we hate them. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I'm just kidding. We love you guys. Yes. So yeah, Puppy Farm gets mentioned a lot. Yeah, quite a lot. I did find it a little bit interesting that... When we find out what actually happens with that, that it never got revealed to Rob any other time, you know? It's like really famous story around town. Mm-hmm. And she still thought that there was puppies there. Oh, yeah. But maybe she was just blocking it out. She was just... Did... Was it the story that they told that it was puppies? Did they know it was kids? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess... Like... Maybe. Maybe because there's no kids there when they... The police showed up. There definitely wasn't puppies either. <laughs> and I feel like it wouldn't be very hard to find out what they were holding in those cages. Yeah, they led a pretty weird life. It was back in the day, so. And they had a lot of dogs around that I think would be a pretty easy pill to swallow for her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> we'll get back to the puppy farm. According to Callie, she gets along well with Annie. She would do anything for her sister, and she's always trying to protect her. But she says that Annie is actually really bad. But Rob won't discipline her because she's the baby, so she has no choice but to discipline her herself. Which, 
in hindsight, I mean, okay, but also okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like the time she decided that Annie couldn't be friends with another girl, split them up, and then threatened to cut out her tongue with an exacto knife when she threatened to tell. Was the other yeah. girl in danger, or was uh, Callie just being I think a she was just, Yeah, being jealous. Mm, okay. Because now I don't know. As far as like, I, I mean, when I reread it, I didn't get idea that she was in danger at all. So I don't know why. So yeah, this is what this is where I'm like, okay, Callie is also insane. Yeah, I, I just don't know. Okay, Rob, sure, Rob, you had a rough go of things. That mm-hmm. sucks, and your marriage sucks, and everything sucks for Rob. Callie and Annie seems like if they're relatively sheltered from their parents' garbage marriage, what the hell. Just genetics? I guess, like, Irving is garbage through and through. And he uses Callie for sure. That's true. To get at Rob. And, like, makes Callie do things to, like, Mm, piss Rob off and to hurt her. The maggots. Yeah. So, yeah, Callie puts all these maggots in Rob's bag, ruins all of her stuff, and it's all because Irving told her to do it and to take a picture of her right at the moment where she realizes that all her favorite stuff is ruined and it's just like petty and have you ever had a maggot situation um no oh i don't ever i mean other than just seeing them sometimes but i've never had like an incident oh i threw away chicken once and then left for a weekend and just forgot to take the garbage down oh no oh my god there's nothing that has ever made me feel more horrified and like just running away yeah than seeing a garbage bin full of wriggling maggots oh my god it i feel like that's an actual horror show like it's the worst (laughs) like my hair is standing up (laughs) yeah like when i read that i think just because like i've i it all came back if that was on me yeah or in my stuff i wouldn't get over it no Callie reminds Rob of her sister, Jack. Who I hated the whole time. Oh, so horrible. (laughs) She looks like her and even acts like her sometimes. And so she wants to explain to Callie why she has to be extra careful with how she feels. So she tells her their story. Which probably should have been edited for an 11-year-old. Which I'm just making her 11 for an 8 to 11-year-old. Yeah. Potentially However, however old she was. Could even be 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But still a child. And I mean, I guess I wouldn't want the edited version for me as a reader. But That's true. For Callie's ears, she could have gotten the short version. Mm-hmm. Although, what is the short version? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like she'd have some questions. Oh, yeah. We go back in time to when Rob was a teenager. She and Jack live at Sundial with their father, Falcon, and his partner, Mia, whom they are really mean to because, in their eyes, Falcon got with Mia too soon after their mother's death. Whatever. Jack and Rob find an abandoned coyote pup, and Falcon says that they can keep it but not as a pet. Sundial is actually a research facility. It's legit enough that students from the university go to stay there and help with the research they do on dogs. So the coyote is put through their intake procedure and put with the other 30 or so of the dogs they are studying. So here is a spot where, like, this is definitely animal cruelty and people who would have a hard time. Yeah, but, you know, they put him to sleep and, like, cleaned him up and put some electrodes in his brain. And then sat around to make sure that he didn't murder everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, tried to make sure he didn't get sick. They treated them... Badly. (laughs) Better than they 
could have, I guess. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to do experiments on people, the nice thing that you can do is, you know, put them to sleep and give them antibiotics and band-aids and stuff. So (laughs) Kind of like when you're going to take somebody's rib out is good. Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes a butcher. Yeah. Yeah. In the lighthouse witches, Patrick, (laughs) he took her ribs really nicely. Really nicely. Honestly, he could have done a much worse job. Exactly. Okay. My problem with Mia is... Dude, so much stuff. Why not just say I'm your adopted mother? Yeah. I mean, I get it. She is black. They are not. And so clearly she is not their biological mother. But just let them be totally terrible to her forever? Yeah. Like, no. She says, oh, you you guys made up this story about your mom and how she died and da 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 They didn't have a mom. I mean, they did at one point, but who knows? But that whole story just let them be terrible to her for years. Yeah, no, like, don't, no, don't let them have that. Yeah, <laughs> you have some control, Mia. You are yeah. literally injecting stuff into these children. Yes, <laughs> you are in control. Yeah. <laughs> so the coyote can only stay if it contains a certain genetic makeup. It needs to have what Mia calls the psycho murderer gene. It's actually called the warrior gene, and it makes the dogs who carry it mean and dangerous. The coyote has a gene so it can stay. Once it's been cleaned up, they give it what they call the click, which is an injection containing bacteria that copies DNA. When injected, it cuts out the bad gene, like the psycho murderer one, and replaces them with copies of good genes. Then it gets electrodes implanted into its brain, a little bowler hat made of dental cement to protect it. (laughs) Ah, bowler hat. It's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And it's ready to go. The idea is that it will have all of its anger and fear taken away, and when it wakes up, it'll be a good coyote. Oh, with a little bowler hat, and they should have put little monocles on them. Oh, Oh, yeah. They're so cute. So cute. Their collars could have, like, little shirt collars on them. (laughs) It's so good. I mean, they don't even have names, so I guess they're not going to give them any monocles or anything. (sighs) Yeah, bummer. (laughs) You know I love some good science in a book. And this was fun. I feel like it was the 14th time that they explained it to me without mm-hmm. elaborating on it that I was starting to get a little bit annoyed. Right. So I yeah. get it. <laughs> Tell me something new or stop telling me. <laughs> I liked the experimental side of, of the story. I thought it was interesting. but Not enough monocles. But you know what? Can't be perfect. Can't be a perfect okay. book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The electrodes connect to a controller that Mia can use to control the dogs by stimulating the pleasure centers in the brain when they follow certain commands like left, right, down, stay, etc. One of the commands is hunt, but Mia's never been able to teach the dogs to respond to that one. Once a month, Jack and Rob have tests done on them as well. They have an MRI and blood tests, but it's not explained why they have to have this done, and it seems to just be something they have accepted as being a normal part of their lives. I also just accepted it as being a part of the story at the time. <laughs> I feel like lots of people in our stories lately have MRIs done. So I kind of did too. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, all right, well, I mean, if I had access to an MRI machine, I'd probably also want some MRIs done sometimes to check for things. <laughs> just take the occasional <laughs> like, MRI. I mean, it's like free MRI, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I didn't think at all. Oh, they're also being experimented on. <laughs> but also like... Didn't Jack always have this horrible, horrible reaction to the MRIs? Mm-hmm. Didn't you stop after, like, a minute? Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know if it was always or just that one time. 
because after the last after the MRI that we were there for, she didn't have to do them anymore because she totally lost it. Mm-hmm. But later on, she says that the MRI, she started like losing it after that MRI because it mm. reminded her so much of her being locked in cage when she was a kid. So I don't know how many MRIs she had before that that didn't trigger that reaction or strange or maybe it was because her evil gene was waking up yeah her click was wearing off okay so then we got this i can't remember what his name was pavel powell pavel oh yeah the 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 groundskeeper yeah the farm worker the other guy that lived at sundial yeah the family annihilator yeah 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 (laughs) i don't remember it doesn't really matter what his name is but i'm gonna bring him up a few times um, I tried looking in the book and I still could not find him. It's really bizarre. But he also lives there. At first, all we know about him is that he is sad and cries a lot and talks about not being able to forgive himself. But he cries a lot. And later we find out that he killed his entire family. Like, everyone in his whole family. <laughs> Horribly. And then he went to live at Sundial when he was released from prison. Which, how someone who kills their entire family even gets released from prison? I don't know. No. But he's from somewhere European. I can't remember where, but maybe they don't imprison people as long when they kill their entire family? I don't know. I feel like, wasn't he given to them almost as, like, an experiment? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I think that they clicked him. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Jack starts acting weird disappearing, being mean and violent towards Rob, seeing things like ghost dogs in their bedroom at night. As Jack pulls away from Rob, Rob moves towards Mia, and one morning, Rob wakes up to find that Jack has packed up all of her things and left. She'd gone together with one of the research students and left with him in the night. Mia catches up to them, though, and basically drags her home. (sighs) Yeah. So all the relationships in this book, I felt, were so skewed. and Yeah, (laughs) very toxic. And this is one thing that I always kind of like in books is when what is happening doesn't match up to what is being said. Like, you're kind of getting, like, weird interpretations of what's happening, and it's not the same. Like, I don't know how I can explain that in a way that makes sense. But just the way that Rob was explaining things that happened, it wasn't what was happening. (laughs) Like, she was explaining things in a much like no- more normal nice way and her relationships with people were like oh this is like okay but then what's actually happening is like no it's really not okay this is really not okay and this is i can't explain what i mean but i liked it um i think because we find out later about all of the trauma i'm like okay but i think before i knew so much i find it a little bit irritating like tell me what's wrong with you? Because <laughs> yeah. clearly this is not okay. No. But yeah, uh, like I said, never locked in a cage. No. I have no place to yeah, speak. Literally no idea. Rob tells Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to thank my parents for yeah. never locking me in a cage. That was yeah really top notch. Yeah. <laughs> Very helpful. Rob tells Falcon about how weird Jack's been acting lately. And he takes Jack into his office, and when he sh- and when she comes out, it's obvious that she's been crying. When Rob suggests that they run away together, Jack says that she'll never leave Sundial, and her odd behavior continues to escalate until she cuts her wrist with a shard of glass. So Jack is totally losing control of herself. Yes. Just losing it, totally. Uh, I just hated Jack so much. 
Yeah, we didn't really get a chance to. I feel like it would have been better if we got a chance to like like Jack for a little while longer mm-hmm. before she started losing her mind. I just I never liked her, and then I don't know if I was supposed to care about her, but I didn't care about her because like I just never got a chance to like her. Yeah, she was yeah pretty mean to Rob, pretty mean to Mia, pretty mean all around, almost mm-hmm. right from the get go. Yeah. So not that anybody else was especially likable in this book. No, not really. <laughs> I actually think actually there were no likable characters. The no. only character that I liked for even a minute was that Pavel guy. And then turns out he murdered his entire family. So yeah, and that's a quick undo. Drugging up Jack. So Yeah. Yeah, he's terrible. Everyone sucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Literally. <laughs> um so they take her to a hospital and she survives. And then back at Sundial, one of the dogs dies, and as they are digging a grave for them. Jack says she'll tell Rob what's been bothering her, and then rips out pages from her notebook, puts them inside a tin lunchbox, throws it in the grave, and then tosses the body of the dog on top of it, which was very rude. So rude. And why? And then she tried to find it, but then she couldn't find it. But then 20 years later, she can? 20. Yeah. Eight? <laughs> yeah. 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 That Sorry. was the next. Eight to 13? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't explained why she couldn't find it then, and then she could find it later on. But I don't really know why Jack did this. Very rude. Just to be mean, I guess. Yeah. And then wasn't the letter The letter lovely? was nice. Yeah. yeah. The letter was like, do better to your children. <laughs> this is what happened. I love you. I don't yeah. know. I forget. But yeah, it was like a nice letter yeah. that she spent time on. So why she threw it under the body of a dog? Don't know. Yeah, she was just very rude. She had a bad brain. Yeah, yeah. pretty much anything, I guess, can be just explained with their DNA was literally messed with in their brain. <laughs> it yeah. has pieces cut out of it, basically. Mm-hmm. But um, Back in the present time, Irving told Callie that she needed a weapon to protect herself, so she takes one of the dumpster puppy's leg bones and sharps it, sharpens it into a knife. In Callie's mind, she was just tr- trying it out, but she also liked the feeling of, like, she's stab- stabbing her pillow over and over again. Which would be kind of fun. That would be fun, yeah. So maybe it's like, you know, Especially a normal if you're kid, a kid thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's a normal kid thing. There's so many things. It's like, is this a normal kid thing or is Kelly the devil? A psycho know. murderer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I guess we have here too Irving telling her to do it. But I just don't know if normal kids think about taking bones and sharpening them into knives. I don't know. Well, my son drew me three pictures the other day and I put them on the fridge because like these are so cute. One of them looks like a guy with a scythe, which is like death. <laughs> and then there are other characters, whatever. And I was like, oh, honey, I put these on. Or he's like, mommy, I drew these. I was like, yeah, I put them on the fridge. These are killers. <laughs> so. I mean, I guess Ben could be. <laughs> I mean, is this a normal child thing or is he a psycho murderer? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll find out. He's pretty sweet, so probably uh, so sweet. probably normal. Why does he love killers so much? <laughs> I don't know. So I guess if you just implanted Ben onto Callie, right? <laughs> it makes more sense. <sighs> but shortly after, like Rob sees Callie stabbing this pillow, takes the knife away, and then Callie sees Rob digging a big hole outside, and pale Callie tells her that she's digging her grave. Which it really seems like she is. It it looked exactly like that, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but really, she's 
looking for something that she buried there years ago. So she unearths a blue container and also the lunchbox that Jack buried under the dog with the letter in it. Inside the container is a full syringe of something. So dun, dun, dun. that's weird. Rob admits to everyone that she got accepted into college and would like to go. And Jack feels super left out since Rob never told her about it. So she lashes out and says she knows the Falcon isn't their father because their blood types don't match up. And the Falcon had admitted that they were actually adopted when they were five. And the mother that Jack pretended to remember was actually made up. Rob feels rightly completely betrayed. Yes. I mean, I know all kids do that. You're adopted. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) these are basically adult women. Yeah. And the adopted story is just also just much nicer. Like, I don't know if, I I don't want to say that they shouldn't, you shouldn't tell your kids if you adopted them because they were locked in cages their whole lives. But also like being adopted is fine. Yeah. You can tell them that they're adopted. You don't have to make up a whole story about the mother and being buried out by the sundial and (laughs) like, uh, it's just, yeah. Rob goes off to college and this is where she meets Irving who also happens to be the guy that Jack ran away from Sundial with. And like, even though in like these first meetings, he pulls Rob's hair so hard that it brings tears to her eyes, she still dates him. Yeah, bad job. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I read this thing the other day. It was like, uh, do not tell your daughters that if a boy is kicking her and pulling her hair on the playground that it means that he likes her mm-hmm. like that is not good yeah that is not allowed anymore <laughs> no that is yeah no more of that so do yeah. better boys yeah and so rob says a few times um that she never really knew what to do with herself because falcon and mia were so like la la da Go do beautiful things with your time. Yeah. We have no boundaries or rules other than don't leave Sundial. You know, like <laughs> whatever you want is good. And she's like, no, I need to know what to do. I need to know what's okay. I need to know. Yeah. Like, she, so she's very clearly wanting boundaries, which is a thing that kids really need. Mm-hmm. And she never got those. And although I don't think kids say, I need boundaries, which she, is what she said. So. No, what they say is, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but interesting fact is that Catriona Ward has no children. So oh. she, which I think is kind of, because both this book and Needless Street explore, you know, motherhood in a few different ways. There's some weird mom stuff going on. And this book especially like goes quite deep because Rob is like constantly inspecting everything that she does and wondering if what she's doing is like messing up her kids or whatever. You kind of really go into that. <laughs> That's the most realistic part of the book, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like the motherhood part of things, I feel like she wrote relatively well considering that she's not a mother. But anyways, where I was going with that was that Rob wanted boundaries and wanted direction. Irving is like, I'm going to give those to you. But they're not good. They're bad boundaries. They're really bad. But he tells her how to be, how to act, what's right, what's wrong, according to him. And she's like, okay, this is good and comfortable. Someone is, you know, holding me together There wasn't now. one nicer person. <laughs> yeah. They just 
This is the first person that gave her any kind of attention. I hate it. And she was like, all right, because everyone else thought she was really weird because they'd be like, hey, what was your... What was your childhood like? Oh, lived out in the desert with my coyote, and we sang songs around a fire during our sacrifice family tradition. Like, <sighs> yeah, I forgot about the sacrifices. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what that was about. Yeah, I didn't really get anything from it. So, yeah, it makes sense, I guess, why Rob went for him, but sucked. Yeah, uh, they date for two years before Rob's family finds out. Irving asks Rob to marry him, and she only finds out later that it was because his father was going to disinherit him if he didn't settle down with a wife, which no one approves, obviously, but no one really wants to say anything. Which is a mistake. Always. Yeah. Say something. Hello. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can say something, and then if they don't go for it, you're like, okay, well, I I did my due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. Rob thinks that Jack is on drugs, but doesn't know where she could even get them out there. And then, the next morning, Jack tells Rob that Irving came to her the night before and they slept together. (sighs) Rob waits until Irving has driven her home before confronting him about it. And when she does, he just leaves her and drives off, confirming what Jack said. Now Rob feels completely alone. Yeah, because you put all of your eggs into the Irving basket. Yeah, but she also had eggs in the Jack basket, which also, (laughs) turns out, same garbage basket. Yeah. I guess she didn't have any good baskets, but... (laughs) I, I mean, she could have had an okay, I mean, I have to say, she could have had an okay basket with, like, Mia or Falcon, because maybe they cared about him. I don't know. There's the question, did, you know, Mia and Falcon actually care about these kids at all, and were actually trying to help them, or were they just experimenting on them? I, I don't know. I feel like they cared. I feel like they cared. There's just kind of misguided caring. Very. A little bit. If you were a scientist with no morals, and then you suddenly had two kids. Yeah. Um, Why did they... Oh, that's right, Kate. How did they know that they were going to be psycho murderers? um, Because Rob tried killing everybody. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like therapy would have worked all right. (laughs) Yeah, probably. But yeah, you know what? Desert compound. That's another way to go. Yeah. This is like... I don't know. I don't know exactly when this book was set, but... Maybe therapy wasn't quite... They probably were doing more like shock therapy at the time. Mm, which would have been probably as effective. Yeah. <laughs> Less dogs would have died. <laughs> right. Well, she could have put some of her eggs in like Mia basket because Mia was trying and... She had lovely friends know. at school. That was a nice basket. Yeah. yeah, she tried that for a little while, but I think she's just too messed up. She's pretty messed she's up. She's just yeah. too weird and didn't know... Like, they're homeschooled for so long. <laughs> Why am I trying to solve this imaginary character's problems? Uh, that's what we do. It's what we do. <laughs> Why didn't she just? Uh. So not long later, she finds out that she's pregnant and she's actually pretty happy about it. She hopes that the baby's a girl and she plans on naming her Callie. But one day, Jack shows up at her dorm and tells her that she's also pregnant with Irving's baby. Rob doesn't mention her own pregnancy, but borrows a friend's car to drive Jack back to Sundial and then decides not to go back to school or give her friend back her car. Yeah, that was rude. <laughs> she just like turns off her phone, never goes back. Their room is all weird. There are mirrors everywhere, black paper on the windows, a deer skull, a book with all the R's, O's, and B's circles. Jack says it was magic to bring Rob back. Oh, Jack. She finds Jack's stash of drugs and burns it. And then everyone was high. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's probably a good way to go. (laughs) Uh, They find out that Pavel is the one who's been supplying her with the drugs, and he's kicked out. Jack is furious and beats the crap out of Rob for it, and she focuses a lot of the beating on her belly. 
Kate, this is when you scream, yo, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Stop instantly, it. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. Or fight her back. Fight her back. Um, like poke her eyes out. Yeah. Full on like turtle shell. Yeah. You wrap yourself around that belly. Yeah. Which is. Which I'm not blaming her. It's not her fault. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It just sounded like she was like really queuing up to get kicked in the belly by the way this fight was described. She's like, ah, not doing anything about it. It's not like when you're pregnant and you want to be, mm-hmm. you, you're protecting that baby. Like yes. your instincts are like. You would not believe how easily your body flips around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe but, that's yeah. just our experience. I guess if you're fighting someone who's like insane with withdrawal from their drugs. Yeah. Maybe that makes a difference. They're very angry at you. Yeah. Also, I don't get into a lot of fights. Who knows how I would do I don't know. It would hurt a lot, I'm sure. I don't know what I would do. (laughs) Rob loses the baby. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Jack says that she didn't know she was pregnant, but she obviously had to have. I was pretty bummed out about it. Yeah. It's sad. Kelly finds a remote that Mia used to control the dogs and plays with it. When Rob sees her with it, she is triggered and reacts callie then reacts right back by pulling her hair which triggers rob which trick which triggers rob even further they have this back and forth relationship where they just like poke each other to death and i made note of this because it just kind of like reminded me because we're getting so much of the story from rob's point of view callie does these little things and rob just like loses it so often and thinks that Callie is doing these things to, like, get to her. Like, she thinks that Callie's, like, against her. But it just kind of reminded me, like, myself as a person, that there's just these little tiny things that would not matter to anyone else. <laughs> but you press that button, and I'll explode. 100%. And so I could just see my own little self and Rob in these moments. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is scary. What's my favorite thing that you say to Jorah? Um, it's a joke. Uh, so that I, I failed as a mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's my favorite. <laughs> oh, such a good joke. She likes it. She's in on the joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so often Rob is just is reacting from trauma and it's just impacting Callie, and it's, you know, it's going down the line. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You got to break the chain, Rob. Yeah, and it kind of was a turning point, because at this point, she freaks out, totally loses her mind, but then she comes back after, and is calm, and is like, okay, no, you can play with this remote control. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to hurt you or hurt anybody else. And then she's able to, like, move on from it a little bit, which... I've seen the children holding a thing. or mm-hmm. Like the other day when Ben had a knife on the counter and he starts rubbing his finger on it. Yeah. Which, thank God it wasn't a sharp knife because I'm like a weird sharpen my knives person. I was so mad. Like I just instantly yelled. Yeah. And then like as loud felt, as you can. Yeah. I felt so crappy after. But like, dude, in what world do you just rub your hand on it? He's like, but it's fine. I'm like, yeah, luckily. But, yeah. Ugh. And in Rob's mind... This remote control is a sharp knife off the counter. Exactly, right? Yeah. It, it was pretty but, reasonable, especially when you know what those remotes do. Yeah. And then in Callie's mind, she's like, I was just playing with this fun toy, and then my mom totally lost her mind at me. Yeah. Sometimes uh, we're like, justified. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to get the other point of view. Yes. 
Anyways. So there was this whole thing with the dogs that they were experimenting on where one of them attacked Mia and Rob wanted them to shoot it because it was dangerous, especially after she'd learned that it had killed one of the other dogs. They refused to kill it, though, because it might be pregnant, and that is important. Now they tell Rob where she and Jack really came from. They were found inside the puppy farm. It was true that there were two bodies found in the house. The man had overdosed, and the woman had been strangled with a length of wire. Five cages were found in the cellar, and they assumed that this is where the children had spent most of their time. They were small, malnourished, couldn't speak, couldn't handle light. Mia and Falcon took them in and cared for them, but it took a long time to get them to do even the most basic things, like go outside or sleep in a bed. Why did Mia and Falcon take them and not people who were qualified? Well, uh, Rob and Jack escaped, and then Mia and Falcon found them on, like, the line, like the property line, like stumbling oh. around. Mm, okay, and, uh, well, I guess. And then but... just took them in and decided they were going to take care of them. I don't know why they wanted children. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did want children because they couldn't have children. Yeah, yeah. So they're that's like, right. oh, found a couple of kids. No one's going to miss them. I guess yeah, we'll have them. Which kind of was true. Yeah. But, well, but then they did have social services come around all the time, didn't they? Coming and checking in on them. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't remember. I think they did, but I don't know. I, The whole thing's a little fishy to me. I mean, if there is some weird government facility for real, I don't know. If someone's in on it. I guess I just know how hard it is to adopt a child or yeah. have a child. Unless you happen to be lucky enough to just be able to have babies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this would also just be one of those, there weren't as many rules and regulations back then. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I remember back when you could just take a child off the street and call it yeah. your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely read some books where that is kind of how it works out. <laughs> but yeah, so Rob also finds out that she tried to kill Jack and Mia. Jack with a screwdriver and Mia with a length of wire. They'd assumed that the man in the house had killed the woman before overdosing, but now they know that it was Rob who killed her. Rob thought she was supposed to be the good one, and it doesn't make sense to her that she would do these things. Oh, that's right. She just has the click that worked. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we're going to go into it right now. Me and Falcon decided that they needed to do something to help her once she tried to kill everyone. So they decided to make an edit in her brain like they do to the dogs. Pavel was their first human volunteer subject. That was why he was there, but it stopped working on him a long time ago, and he kept it a secret. He found that taking drugs helped along with hurting animals instead of humans. And then when Jack started acting weird, he gave her the drugs to help her as well, because he knew that it was failing in her. So, yeah. Why not mention it? It's weird. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, because at the time it had worked on that guy, they figured it was safe and successful. Immediately, both children started to act normal. The fear and the trauma that was ingrained in them was taken away, and they were able to flourish. The dogs were the control group in the experiments. They kept them so that they would know what might happen to the girls later on, and also as a cover for what they were actually doing. They were also kind of a cover for what the experiment actually was, and the pregnant dog is important because they need to know what happens to the offspring of the experiments. Yeah, so now that Jack's pregnant... They need to know if they're going to be having some demon babies or not. I feel like they probably had opportunities to do this before. Yeah, probably. You would think. 
But maybe they didn't really think to do it because. What were the chances that they were going to get pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not allowed to leave. <laughs> yeah. Now they're like, oh, crap. What's going to happen? It's not good. Well, it's I mean, not. <laughs> I guess it's, it's okay. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it, the kids are okay. The, pup, the puppies, you know, not as much. A couple kids in the story end up okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually surprised that you gave me no warnings about any kids. Uh, not, not, not that you have to. Like, you're not obligated to give me warnings. But well, I usually do. But I guess a lot of the stuff that happens is kind of... I don't. Really, I didn't find they went into enough detail that it was like super upsetting to me. Maybe that's. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. No, it was only the um, belly boxing miscarriage that I was like, yeah, whoa, whoa. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a little bit upsetting. But it's funny because like when you don't tell me, I just assume nothing bad happens to kids. Yeah. So- <laughs> I just forgot this time. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's fine. You do not have to tell me. <laughs> So Rob Lee reads the letter that Jack buried all those years ago. She tells the story of how Lena and Bert Granger started the puppy farm, but how there were never any puppies there, just kids. And yeah, I guess kids came and then people would come and buy the kids or whatever and take them away. So we got some really gross child trafficking ring happening here. Mm-hmm. But their names weren't actually Lena and Bert. They were Robert and Jacqueline. Rob and Jack. I thought their names were weird the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mia told them that Rob had given herself and Jack their names. Rob and Jack were their first words that she ever spoke, which is weird. Yeah, I would have named them way before that. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe given them something new, something to connect to. <laughs> Rob admits that finding out that she's a murderer messed her up. And she doesn't want that same thing to happen to Kelly. And if they knew that their names were Robert and Jacqueline, why would they let them have those names? Well, like, oh, this won't be bad later. <laughs> I don't think that Falcon and Mia knew that that was were their actual names. I think only Rob and Jack knew. Like, I think Jack remembered. I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know. Because everyone thought that their names were Lena and Bert. But why did they think that? It's weird. <laughs> I don't know. Back in time, Mia makes up some concoction to fix the dog so that it can live long enough for them to see what actually happens to the puppies. Uh, She has another dose ready for the puppies if they need it. Jack has basically become a shell of herself. She just goes through the motions, but doesn't speak and doesn't move unless prompted by Rob. Then, one night, Rob wakes up to find Jack with a knife pointed at her own belly. She tackles the knife away and ties Jack to the bed. Jack's having a... She's always had a bad time. Yeah, yeah, so now she just ties her up anytime she's away from her. The dog has the puppies and they are fine. Then Jack goes into labor and births the baby girl. Rob wants to name the baby Callie and take her away from there, but Mia won't allow it. Then the dog shows up in the doorway covered in the blood of her puppies. Yeah, I feel like this might have been one of those, maybe the other people wouldn't like it so much. Yeah, this one, this is... This this whole situation is the one that I was talking about. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Jack. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) uh, So, so upsetting. Mia tries to get to the gun uh, in the kitchen, but the dog gets her first. (laughs) Sorry, I read that as the dog gets it first. Like, got the gun. (laughs) (laughs) Little bowler hat. (laughs) Oh, that would have been good. Rob and Jack hide in their room with the baby. Falcon has been very sick and bedridden for a while. 
They hear the dog bound up the stairs, and only then do they realize that they left his bedroom door open. Okay, now, here was my thing. She literally just birthed this baby, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the placenta is attached, just birthed this baby, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> now, I've birthed a couple of these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh... I guess there's some adrenaline going on here. Yeah. But it's pretty rough. Like, that's, I don't it's know. It's hard to, to run away from a killer dog. Yeah, well, moment. you're holding a brand new covered in slime baby. Yeah, I guess we kind of, they kind of, like, glossed over the birth a little bit, like, which like, is kind of surprising. Head, they never, like, clamped the cord. No, it literally, I think in the book, it was just like, I told you that we should have a doctor. I don't need a doctor. And then the ba- there's a baby. Like, it's like cutscene, next scene, baby's out. In a blanket. And then they're just back to normal. Uh, see, because in my brain, I'm like, I'm fixated on this placenta. <laughs> like, I could <laughs> yeah. not Where get is it? it? Why isn't the dog getting it? Yeah. Oh my god. That, the placenta like, for use the, dog. the placenta to get the dog away. Amateurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, is this, yeah, the dog eats Falcon? Yeah, the dog eats Falcon. Falcon is gone. Yes. Mia's gone. Turns out that it was Jack that initiated this entire sequence of events. While safe and cared for, the dogs, who have had the procedure and have had their fear erased, do really well most of the time. But Jack needed to know what would happen when they were afraid because she knew that being safe and cared for wasn't always going to be the case, and before the baby was born, she needed to know what she was capable of, how far she could be pushed. So, little backstory... This particular dog had had its tail cut off by a previous owner, and though generally really friendly, wouldn't let anyone touch it. Fair. Yep. So Jack saw her sleeping by the fence, and she grabbed her tail and pulled it hard through the chain link, and the dog lost it. <sighs> Jack, I mean... <sighs> Too far. Yeah. Uh, Jack realizes that she started to lose it during the MRIs because she was so afraid of being in small, dark places because that was how they were kept at the puppy farm. Bad timing, Jack. I mean, I understand why she wants to know, but this was a mistake. <laughs> yes. This in this scenario, Jack, just give your baby up for adoption. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure you owe your twin a baby, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it was a mistake. Uh, Rob barricades the door to their room with furniture, and when the dog finishes with Falcon, it starts trying to break down their door. Rob and Jack, with the baby, climb up on the furniture as high as they can to get away from it. The dog makes its way through, and Jack sacrifices herself to it. But before she dies, she knocks off its little bowler hat that protects its brain and stabs it with a shard of glass from a broken mirror. Then they're both dead. Thank goodness. Now Rob can finally deal with that placenta. (laughs) (laughs) bury it make encapsulate it yeah you know whatever she needs to do yeah rob takes all the bodies out of the house and puts them in the dog pen and releases all the other dogs weird weird timing but it's fine uh when the bodies are found it will simply be thought that the dogs that they experimented on killed them which is true she cleans up the house and plans on leaving with the baby but a friend from school called irving because she was worried about rob and he shows up He knows that Callie is his, and he threatens to turn in Rob. Irving won't let Callie go, and Rob can't be separated from her, so Rob suggests that they get married so that she can help raise her, and he agrees to it. She's hoping that a normal family will keep Callie good. Yeah. Given the situation, yeah, I guess. I feel like she should have found a way out once she got safe passage, but... 
Yeah, that she stuck around for even longer and longer and had another kid with them, which happens to people. Mm -hmm. It does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back to current Callie and Rob time. Rob is going to inject Callie with the syringe that she dug up, the one that Mia had saved for the puppies to make them good if they turned bad. But she gets away and climbs up a tree. And then Irving shows up and tells her to get in the car. And when she doesn't see Annie in the backseat, she panics because he left her with a neighbor woman, Hannah. Ooh, Hannah. Okay, so around here, Pale Callie wonders if Rob is Rob or Jack. And here's something that I noticed throughout the book. There's one part of the beginning where Callie says she plays detective sometimes and she notices things that people don't know that she notices, like that her mom buys contact solution, even though she doesn't wear contacts or she doesn't wear glasses. And she's like, that's weird. Also, there's a part in the book where Rob goes to the pharmacy to get something and the pharmacist is like, no, get up, get away from here, you terrible Jack. And she's like, oh no, it's not Jack, it's me, Rob. And he's like, oh yeah, it's the eyes, it's different. And then she's like, oh, maybe I should get color contacts so that people would think I was Jack. And then later on, Callie says she sees Rob touching her eyes, so she's adjusting a contact, but she doesn't wear contacts. That so keeps coming up. She's wearing blue ones now. She's wearing colored contacts. So it's insinuated that it's actually Jack, I guess. Well, I feel like that raises more questions. So many more questions. So I was like, oh my god, I've figured it out. But then I'm trying to look back and I'm like, I can't find any part in the book where a change has happened. Unless the entire story, oh, that would make me so mad where they just lied to me extra hard the whole time. The whole time. Yeah, so there's something there and I don't know exactly what it is. No, I did not catch that. Irving got Ka or Rob and Jack mixed up too and then only realized that it was not Jack when he saw Rob's eyes when they first met. But he also knew that it wasn't her baby because she clearly didn't just give birth. Yeah. So unless it's Jack this whole time telling just a complete bullshit story. Maybe. In which she's or... making herself out to be bad. This is maybe there's something in Arrowwood Academy. Oh, maybe. That, like, I don't know. I can't. I can't figure it out. It obviously it's not what we think. Like, yeah, I don't know. You're missing something. I did not catch that at all. I cannot find I cannot find it. Hmm. So now I just I like I need to know if what you know, please. Please send us an email and we will read mm -hmm. it because we must Oh, well now that's gonna bother me. <laughs> I know. So now I'm like, okay, so something is there something in this story that's more complicated than I thought and I just missed it or is this a hole that is just to like throw us off or like because there's so many things in this book that it's like they're just red herrings kind of that they're leading us into a direction that you think is going to matter but it doesn't but it just seems like a pretty big thing and it's brought up so many times that it has to it has to be real and important hmm Katrina or Catriona, are you listening? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> but I read this and I was just like, oh my god, I figured it out. And then I was like, oh damn it, no, I've just confused myself even more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, don't worry. Now you've confused me as well. 
Okay, good. I thought I was going to tell you, and then you were going to be like, oh, well, obviously. Obviously. No, obviously. That... I saw it a mile away that it was Jack the whole time. Nope. Damn not it. at all. Because that, given these kind of like twists that they give you at the end, was not the one that I was focusing on. No. and I mean, even if it is Jack the whole time, like, I guess the question is, why? Yeah, does it matter? Yeah, like, why pretend to be Rob? Because mm-hmm. Rob's the good one? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Especially since Rob was all screwed up. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, if anyone knows, let us know. Please. Thank you. Irving attacks Rob, and she tells Callie to run back to the house. Callie has the remote, and she pushes all the buttons, hoping that something will work. She starts to hit her dad to get him off of Rob, but he hits Callie away too. He tries to say that it was Rob that did it, but Callie knows that it was him. Callie throws a cow bone to Rob, and she uses it to knock out Irving. (laughs) Then the coyote shows up, the one from years ago, and it's not alone. Rob has been leaving meat out for the dogs whenever she's back, and they're used to that. They expect it when they see her, and they don't know the difference between that meat and Irving's bleeding body. Which was great. I did love this. But the fact that he just comes in, like, full serial killer mode, I was like, what? Which one? Irving. Irving? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, like, Rob provoked him. Yeah, but drive out to Sundial and murder everyone? (laughs) I mean, it's probably a little bit far even for him, but felt bad for Callie here because she was pushing the remote. She thought that she pressed Hunt and that it had finally worked and that that's what killed her dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, her dad sucked. Yeah, and she ends up not being that sad about it as you'd think. But yeah, Rob provoked Irving on purpose to get him out there so that she could kill him and get her daughters away from him finally because she realizes that the darkness in Callie isn't coming from her past. It's coming from being exposed to her terrible father. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> divorce yeah rob's just been expecting kelly to be bad this whole time yeah so she's putting all of her negative expectations on her and never mind this absolutely terrible monster that you're married to yeah yeah so if you're looking for the bad stuff you're gonna find it somehow right you're gonna manifest it uh the finale Callie is freaking out, but not because of her father being eaten alive or anything else that's (laughs) happened but because she says annie cannot be left alone with hannah Callie admits that it's been Annie all along. Annie is the one who kills the animals. Callie can see them, and she keeps their bones so that she can help them not be lonely, but she isn't the one hurting them. Annie knew that their father was having an affair with Hannah, so she was planning on killing her. She took the diabetes medication and hid it in a lamp. She ate blue Tic Tacs, which, by the way, smell like mint, um, Mm. so that Rob would believe that she had taken the medication and wouldn't look for it. Annie made it look like it was Callie who did it because she was trying to get Rob out of the house so there would be less eyes on her. And now she's got her chance. Don't buy it. (laughs) I feel like that ending just really, it felt like, why? You didn't tell me about Annie this whole time. And like, unless it's like the same Rob Jack twist. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And also she's a little girl. If Ben was like, mommy, I'm going to kill you. I'd be like, fuck. Get out of my face, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I did find it a bit unbelievable that this little tiny child would be this evil. But this this is it's creepy when little kids are the killers. <laughs> I, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know. We I just feel like we didn't have enough lead up to even Rob killing the I mean, no, this tiny little caged up baby probably can't murder a junkie. Probably can't even hardly walk 
Yeah. So it seemed it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of force to strangle somebody to death. Yeah. You would know. And they would have that junky strength, right? Yeah. Unless they were maybe they were just like passed out or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> really out care for this. Strong. No. <laughs> Very not. Yeah, I didn't really care that much for the Annie Annie twist. Like I said, I would have liked it more if looking back Callie had obviously been good. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't. Yeah. She was definitely did some bizarre things. Yeah. It's why I felt lied to instead yeah. of impressed. <laughs> Because they they explain some of it, like her interest in serial killers and stuff. She says that she educates herself on that kind of stuff so that she knows what to look for and knows how to protect herself. So she's like looking at Annie's behavior and trying to keep her out of jail and try to protect her. So like, okay, that kind of stuff makes sense. But all the weird things that Kelly does especially just like the exacto knife thing it was just too far i just don't think Mm -hmm. that would be a thing that she would do no but i don't know i did like the uh get in the car we have to get back to save hannah i don't know it had like the same vibe as driving towards manderley at the end oh yeah yeah Yeah. that was what i thought of anyways when i read it (laughs) yeah i could see that yeah i don't know final thoughts yeah it was it's fine I did like Needless better. I have. I definitely have a lot of questions. Yes, if I could get some of these holes filled in, because like there's, as always, there's a good chance it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, this was. I felt like as I was rereading this book that every detail mattered. There's just so many little details about all the characters, and like it was almost too much. I think it kind of started to get lost after a while. I wasn't really sure what was important, what wasn't important, and I did really like it. And my first read, I really enjoyed it, and I flew through it. So it's definitely a book that I recommend. But you know, it's another one of those ones where you have to look at it and you got to read it with your eyes just a little bit closed, just a little squinty. Yeah, I like the mood. I like the desert. It was dark and creepy, and she has a style. She has a style that I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see what else she's gonna do. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, I liked it. Yes, I liked it, it quite was. a bit. I liked it quite a bit, even though I'm tearing it apart. I did really enjoy <laughs> reading it. I yeah. really enjoyed it. It's just on, like, looking back that I have questions. And that I hope that the questions I have have good answers that yes. I just don't see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. I'd read her again, but I wouldn't read yeah. this one again. <laughs> reading it one time is probably what you should do. Yeah. Because once you know what's happening... It's too easy to pick it apart. Yeah. And it, I mean, writing a book like this has got to be difficult. <laughs> it's got to be, right? Like, like it's so hard. All right. That is all we have for you this week. Remember that we are reading The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers for Book Club. So pick up a copy, read along with us, and head over to Instagram or Facebook at best underscore book club to join in on the discussion starting on May 18th. How it works is we post a new discussion question every day for the week leading up to our book club episode. All you do is head to our Instagram stories and write your reply in the box under each discussion question to let us know what you thought and we will post a reply to each message. Or feel free to send us an email letting us know what you thought of the book or any of the books we talk about at best underscore book club at outlook.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for what we're reading and other stuff. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.